Greetings, Rebel fans. My name is Jason Kelly. This is the Let's Run podcast. We are coming off a heartbreaking and very disappointing loss to the University of Reno. Uh, let's break down. I got a lot to say, a lot of thoughts, a lot of comments. Um, let's get into it. So the Running Rebels fell at home to the University of Nevada, Reno, uh, by a margin of 69 to 66. They led by nine with just over four minutes remaining. And Reno closed the game on a 14-4 run to, um, to close us out in a stretch that included uh, four uh, missed free throws in a row, two from Keelan Boone, you know, your fifth-year senior, and two from DJ Thomas, your freshman, um, in what has been kind of a concerning uh, aspect of his game in that he's not been a good free-throw shooter. I think he's in the 60% range this year uh the rebels dominated for much of the game uh using rob whaley to post up and uh dj thomas just playing really controlled good basketball um and yeah they choked they choked really badly uh in embarrassing fashion and in a season of what ifs and maybes and um, could have beens. This game might hurt the most out of all of them, uh, mostly because we were in control of our own destiny, and we were at home, and we got a pretty decent crowd, and none of it mattered ultimately because our coaching staff, our players, and um, to a certain extent, our student section and fans, although a much lesser extent um, than. Uh, the blame that goes to the players and coaches. I'm not trying to equate the two at all. Just kind of fell, fa- failed uh, in what has been indicative of the failures and the continual lack of progress uh, in the Kevin Kruger and really in the post-Dave um, Rice slash Long Kruger era for UNLV basketball. So let's get into the game a little bit. Let's talk about individual player performances and a little bit about fandom and coaching. So the Rebels were led by DJ Thomas, um, who despite missing those two free throws that could have given us a lead with, you know, 30 seconds left, uh, was the best player, perhaps on the floor, but definitely on, um, definitely on our uh, team. Uh, he finished with 20... Uh, with with uh, 19 points, 5 of 10, 1 of 1 from 3, uh, 6 of 8 from the free throw line. So he was perfect up until the last two free throws where he uh, choked his heart out. Uh, finished with 8 assists, 1 turnover, 1 steal. Um, you know, you can blame him for... Uh, you can blame him for the bad performance and for the loss. Uh, certainly, you know, if DJ plays a little bit better to end the game, the Rebels... Uh, probably win. However, we are not in a position to win without DJ playing as well as he had um, up into that point. So I don't really blame him. Uh, if you want to start throwing the blame game, there's a couple of people that you can uh, <laughs> that you can really point to. Uh, the first would be Keelan Boone, who finished a cool one of five from two and three of nine from three. 
with four of six from the free throw line, also choking away the game at the end with a couple of turnovers. Uh, Keelan Boone, you know, despite the fact that he is very experienced and physically very talented, uh, was a big part of why the Rebels choked the game away. Uh, he finished with an offensive rating of 86, uh, with about 100 being an average rating. Um, he played 29 minutes, uh, ended up being a minus four. And yeah, not a great Keelan Boone game. Uh, Caleb Boone, perhaps seeing his brother's poor performance, said, watch this, and played even worse. Uh <laughs> With a cool eight, uh, sorry, six points, two of six from the field, uh, four turnovers. Gotta love the turnovers from Caleb Boone. I saw some Rebels giving him some credit for passes out of double teams. And I'm sorry, man, Caleb Boone cannot handle a double team. And the coaching staff needs to adjust how they're getting Caleb Boone the ball. Uh, The ways that Caleb Boone deals with double teams and Rob Whaley deals with double teams are completely different. Caleb Boone... Uh, when he's getting past the ball, is catching it too high and too close to the baseline. And so whoever the Reno help defender is doesn't really have to go very far to double Caleb Boone. And Caleb Boone is very slow and methodical with the ball and does not seem to be able to make uh, passes out of double teams quick enough to uh, really punish the defense. So really pathetic performance from him. Uh, He and his brother Keelan were awful and deserve every bit of criticism that uh, that everyone is giving them. Uh, Luis Rodriguez, uh, with a nice, you know, eight points, uh, continues to be one of the worst three point shooters in college basketball. Uh, oh, four from the three, two of three from, um, two of three from two, um, uh, with an offensive rating of 93 and not a great performance from him. Um, he was far from the reason we lost the game. You know, his defense was solid not spectacular, but solid. He had a few steals, three steals. Uh, and then Rob Whaley, who was easily our most efficient player and due to some ticky-tack foul calls, was just not able to contribute as much as he should have been able to contribute. Um, he had, the, besides DJ, the highest rating, uh, offensive rating in the game of 125, uh, 16, sorry, 11 points. Um would like to see more minutes, but Rob's got to stay out of foul trouble. Um, Rob is better than Caleb Boone at this point at basketball. Um, better defensively, more athletic, better decision-making, is better at getting low post position. Um, and yeah, just a great performance from Rob, and it's really unfortunate that he was not given the ability to uh, close out the game. Um the lineups with Caleb and Rob continue to be an issue. Uh, we have a negative point differential with both of them on the court. When it's just Rob, our point differential goes up like crazy. So if Caleb doesn't have it going early, you got to yank him. I mean, I know he's a senior. I know he's played well, but um, Rob's just better than Caleb is at this point. And he's more efficient. He's better. He's a better decision maker. Um, and then past our starting five, which that was our starting five, Brooklyn isn't a, he's only took one shot and that's after coming off of the New Mexico game where he only took one shot. And this is a big criticism that I have of the coaching staff because the rebels play so slow, uh, Kruger ball as will Dispart of the sporting tr- tribune, uh, termed it, uh, because they play so slow and 
they're just trying to throw the ball into the post, they are probably one of the most predictable teams in the country. And you guys like Brooklyn Hicks and Jackie Johnson, who can contribute to a, um, you know, to a, an efficient offense, aren't even attempting shots, let alone making them. And the team is so focused on throwing the ball into Caleb Boone, who will most assuredly turn it over, that nobody else on the team is able to really get going. And so Caleb Boone, like, he, he's a mediocre defender, and he has won us games this year. But Coach Kruger needs to be able to adjust faster on, you know, on the move. He needs to be able to make his adjustments quicker. If Caleb Boone is getting doubled and it's not working and he's not passing out well and he's catching the ball too high, you have to let other players attempt shots. And you have to speed up your pace of play a little bit in order to get guys like Jackie Jones and Brooklyn Hicks um, getting, you know, getting minutes. And Carl Jones and Justin Webster uh, played seven and four minutes. That That's kind of our the back end of our bench. Uh, I would have liked to have seen an approach that, uh, you know, an, an approach like Kruger took at New Mexico where Shane Noel and Isaiah Cottrell got in. Uh, I just, with Carl Jones, I don't always see the upside of playing him over Isaiah Cottrell. I don't think either of them are very good. Uh, however, Carl Jones is just too slow. Um the UNLV defensive scheme where we are icing ball screens. Carl Jones is having to sprint back to the paint and he's just not getting there fast enough. So, and it's really exposing our defense. So overall, um, the players choked, uh, DJ Thomas choked, Kate Keelan Boone choked. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still okay with DJ being our, our lead guy though. I mean, he's the star. He's the most important player. Retaining him is pretty. Retaining him and Rob are pretty much the only, and and Brooklyn, I would say, are pretty much the only priorities that this program should have at this moment. Uh, you know, a, a team of him, Brooklyn, and Rob, uh, I think, could be a very good, you know, base and core for next year's roster. But uh, the Boons and Luis Rodriguez, I think, are kind of head cases, and I would like to see, you know, Coach Kruger. Keelan and Caleb and and Luis Rodriguez are guys that you know have never really made you know in their in their long and prosperous college careers have never shown an ability to play mature and intelligent basketball. Um, they're all very talented, but you know they continue to make mistakes. So I I kind of lean on blaming them more than I do DJ. You know DJ should be in high school right now. Um, but that's kind of the players. The players have equal responsibility, uh, you know, as, as the coaches do in my eyes for this collapse. But let's get into the coaching because I know that's probably what a lot of you are wanting to hear about. So first, I kind of want to address the way that the discourse around court coaching goes in sports. Uh, some people, when they see people on Twitter or just people in general criticize a coach, they say, well, do you think you could do any better? Are you claiming to know more basketball than them? And that's a straw man. I mean, nobody who is on basketball Twitter, who is on UNLV Twitter, is claiming to know basketball better than Coach Kruger. Coach Kruger has done this his whole life. He has been an assistant coach. While he may be one of the more inexperienced third-year coaches in all of college basketball, he still knows way more about basketball than any of us will ever even forget. However, that does not mean that we are not allowed to criticize a coach. I don't know how, how people don't understand this, but 
coaches have blind spots. Coaches make mistakes. You know, we can criticize, you know, politicians and our presidents and our district council meeting leaders, you know, and, and our state legislature legislators, we can criticize them all we want, even though they may know more about politics than us, because it's not just about knowledge. There's also opinions and tendencies and blind spots that coaches have that even if you don't know as much about the game of basketball as they do, you can still criticize. And Kevin Kruger throughout his three year run at UNLV deserves ample criticism. There is a reason that the Rebels, and I went and did the math and looked at all the teams, there's a reason that they're 10 and 13 at home in conference play under the leadership of Kevin Kruger. How are you expected to build a fan base if you cannot win at home? When you have 32-point home losses to Air Force, when you open up the season with such an unprepared, and you could just tell the Rebels lacked conditioning in that opening Southern game. So, no, this Reno game is not as an individual result that bad. You know, every team chokes. Teams can choke. It is a part of sports that teams and coaches choke. But when you lose at home to Air Force by 32, the only team that Air Force has beaten in the Mountain West this year is their 30-plus point win at UNLV. What a pathetic and disgusting effort that was. Southern, a team that is ranked uh, as we speak. Well, let me let me look up. Where's Southern ranked? I'm pretty sure they're like 240 or something. Southern is ranked 210. They're actually having a pretty good year by their standards, but they're still not a top 200 team in the country. When you open up your season with a blowout loss to Southern, I'm sorry. The fact that the Reno game is not that big of a deal and that teams choke, that doesn't fly. You don't get that kind of margin of error. When you choke at Colorado State by playing slow and playing terrible defense, I'm sorry, you do not get you know to benefit from um, one-off criticism. We have to look at Kevin Kruger's coaching resume as a whole continually. Now, I have never been a person that you know advocates for firing people mid-year. We will completely analyze Kevin Kruger's performance as a coach at the end of the year. Whatever the athletic director decides, I will support. If the athletic director says, hey, we need to bring this guy back, I'll be behind that. However, we have to be able to criticize him based on his merits. And his merits, you are your record. That's the famous saying in sports. You are what your record says that you are. His record sucks. It is mediocre at best, despite having good talent on his teams. You know, Elijah Harkless EJ Harkless is averaging like 20 points a game in the G League right now. Bryce Hamilton is a consummate G League player. Donovan Williams, he's had NBA talent on his roster over the past three years and has yet not sniffed an ounce of competitiveness in the Mountain West. In Besides San Diego, the second best market, market in the conference, with perhaps the best basketball facilities in the conference, with the best history of any team in the conference, it is unacceptable. And Kevin Kruger's performance against Reno, and this is something we've seen from him constantly in his tenure, his inability to beat anybody but New Mexico. His performance against Reno was awful, and I'm going to break it down step by step why it was so bad. All right, so 
coaching philosophy wise, I do have a few disagreements with, with coach Kruger. He tends to run the same place over and over and over again. Now this isn't always a bad thing. Kruger finds something that works and then does it again and again and again. So, you know, he hammers a nail in, but Kruger doesn't seem to be able to adjust on the fly. He finds a play that works and then he runs it 10 times in a row. Instead of having any sort of variation on his plays, he's probably one of the easiest coaches to predict. So let's run through the last five and a half minutes of this game and see exactly what happened. All right. So you had a Jackie Johnson three with five minutes and 31 seconds to go. Assisted by DJ. Good play design. Good ball movement. Really well done. Puts us up by nine with five and a half minutes to go. Then you had a somewhat weak call, a foul on Rob Whaley Jr. That gave him four fouls and put him out of the game. Nick Davidson, uh, the Reno forward, made both free throws. The next play was a set where uh, the Rebels took a little too long to get into their offense. Reno was able to double off of the post, and it ended up in a really contested, tough Jackie Johnson uh, missed three-point jumper. But the shot did have a chance to go in. Not a terrible possession. Keenan Blackshear uh, gets the defensive rebound, and you get a uh, foul on and a turnover by K.J. Himes, a guy that the Rebels were kind of dominating the whole night. Uh, Keelan Boone gets fouled, goes to the free throw line, and misses, <laughs> misses both free throws. Keelan Boone, a fifth-year senior who is a 75% free-throw shooter, missed both free-throws. Complete joke job. That's not on the coaches at all. That's not on Coach Kruger. From there, you get another turnover where Luis Rodriguez uh, grabs a steal. I didn't think this was the greatest call because I don't know that uh, Luis Rodriguez actually had possession. Uh, However, you know, pretty good defense. Uh, He... Travels after he steals the ball and what would have been a wide open dunk. You know, Luis Rodriguez always plays a little fast. Nothing crazy there. Reno gets a easy, easy play uh, where uh, Keelan Boone is playing the weakest, softest defense in the world. He wasn't even in foul trouble. Daniel Foster basically drives to the rim and shoots right over the top of uh, Keelan Boone. Then you get a DJ uh, Thomas missed layup. It was it was it was kind of a push look, not a great shot, but it was a shot that could have gone in. Nothing crazy there. After that, uh, you get a uh, Nick Davidson made layup that was over Rob Whaley, who had four fouls. Rob really didn't try to contest the shot at all. Um, not great defense. <laughs> um, you get a timeout with us. Um, you get a, you know, first of all, you get uh, a driving layup against Keelan Boone. Again, terrible defense. Uh, another Caleb Boone. Sorry, let me back up a little bit. So, Trey Coleman, Luis Rodriguez airballs a, free, uh, a three-pointer uh, in what is a really frustrating trend with him, where he's one of the worst three-point shooters in the country. However, he continues to take them. He's 0-4 from the field. You feel like a coach with command, you know, a coach with control and command over his team would tell, uh, you know, one of the worst three-point shooters in the country, hey, maybe you should just drive it to the hoop. Luis Rodriguez is wide open, airballed the three. Then you get what I thought was a one of the worst things I've ever seen on a Rebel court. So UNLV calls timeout. The score is now 61-62. to 62. The Rebels haven't scored 
um, since the Jackie Johnson three, which was over three minutes ago. And the play call was a high-low action pass uh, from Caleb Boone to Rob Whaley. Caleb Boone sells the ball over Rob Whaley's head, uh, despite the fact that Caleb Boone has been turnover prone the whole game. Uh, Coach Kruger calls for a post-up instead of running a high ball screen with Rob Whaley and DJ Thomas, which should be our offense almost every time. Uh, But just a terrible play call, terrible execution, choked by Caleb Boone. Uh, You get a foul by Jackie Johnson and on on Nick Davidson um, after a bad defensive possession, and Reno takes the lead. Now you get a good uh, attack by DJ Thomas, who goes up and takes a one-point lead. Reno calls a timeout. Um, you get a Nick Davidson miss three-point jumper, a terrible box out into an offensive rebound, and then a made layup. Finally, with around 28 seconds to go, UNLV calls a timeout. Uh, DJ Thomas goes to the rim, gets fouled, and um, you get two missed free throws by DJ Thomas. Um, really sucky that DJ Thomas missed both of those free throws. Um kind of killed our chances of winning the game. Uh, Reno is up three. They let DJ Thomas score. You get a foul. Reno makes both free throws. Again, unlike the Rebels, and you get a ultimately a terrible shot by Keelan Boone at the buzzer, but you know not a lot of time left. And yeah. So that's kind of a rundown of the last five minutes. Uh, if you notice, UNLV's average possession length over the last five minutes was 23 seconds. That is how long they they were shooting at the buzzer almost every single time. They were playing slow, play not to lose kind of basketball. This is the kind of stuff that got Dave Rice fired. Choke, timid, scared basketball with bad play calling. The the play call to have a Rob Whaley pace post up off of a pass by Caleb Boone when Caleb Boone was a has been a turnover prone player the whole year uh, and has. You know, I don't know. He's probably the worst passer on the roster. I don't know why you would try and run a high-low action to Rob, but it was a terrible play call, and the players kind of choked. So my biggest issue with Coach Kruger over the last five minutes, taking into account that the players have just as much responsibility for the collapse as Coach Kruger does, is that Kruger coaches one of the slowest teams in the country. He was playing not to lose. And... That's just going to kill you. When you play timid and play scared, and when you coach timid and coach scared, that's going to reflect down to the players. I think that the players could feel Coach Kruger's nerves and that instead of providing a sense of confidence, you got what was essentially a a, a timid, scared uh, team. And looking at Coach Kruger's performance in his first two years, um, Coach Kruger just relied on one player to kind of bail him out. He, he never seemed to be on top of things at the end of games. He was always relying on Bryce Hamilton or EJ Harkless uh, or this year, the post-up, to kind of bail him out. And it didn't seem like he was the one controlling the pace and tempo and feel and confidence of the team. So I think it was bad coaching, you know, that equally contributed to our loss, along with the missed free throws and the bad plays by the players. It was a top-to-bottom failure. However, my philosophy with college sports, especially college sports, and this is different than pro sports, uh, in college and high school athletics, sometimes in high school, the talent disparity is so wide that it doesn't really matter how good your coach is. But in college athletics, coaching is everything. Now, you may say that's unfair to the coach. 
You can have players with bad performances. You can have players that choke. However, the coach is the one that is making the money. Kevin Kruger is, I think he's the, somebody can fact check me on this, but I think he's the fourth highest paid person in the state of Nevada by the state, by, 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 by the Nevada state government. The only people who make more as, you know, employees of the state of Nevada are Barry Odom, the new Reno head football coach, who I can't remember his name, um, and Steve Alford. So Kevin Kruger is being paid, you know, quote unquote, the big bucks. He is the one that has ultimate responsibility. If there is a top to bottom failure in, an or, in, in the UNLV basketball organization, the buck stops with him. Now, I know that that's not always fair because sometimes it's not the coach's fault that their team lose, that their team loses. However, in college athletics, good coaches win. That is just a fact of life. If you have a good coach, they're going to find ways to win. And Kevin Kruger has consistently found ways to underperform and not win. Whether that be through what we saw in this game, timid coaching, scared coaching, you know, he could have been Dave Rice walking around out there. Or whether that be through fundamental philosophical foundational problems with the ways that he goes about coaching the team. This team plays too slow. This team relies too much on 22-second possessions and relies too much on post-ups. It doesn't have a dynamic offense. Now, some of that's not his fault. Well, I'm not sure that some, some of it is his fault, but the roster doesn't have, a good, doesn't have enough three-point shooting. If, if, this, if, if Justin Webster was more than a walking corpse on the three-point line, you know, this team could be a lot better than it is. If he wasn't, you know, Justin Webster is one of the worst three-point shooters in the country. Last year, he shot 46% from the three. This year, he's down to 29%. He's coming off of an injury. He's practically useless on the court because he can't make a three to save his life. And I like Justin. I have nothing against him. I think he's been a great rebel. I don't want to, you know, disparage his reputation with the team because I think he's been a good piece of the Kevin Kruger era. However, when you have no three-point, when Luis Rodriguez, one of the worst three-point shooters in college basketball, has been his whole career, Justin Webster is having one of the worst three-point shooting years I've ever seen. And when your best three-point shooter is also your guy who is primarily in charge of distributing the basketball as your point guard and DJ Thomas, you got some issues. Why not have Brooklyn Hicks in the corner spotting up for three? Why not pull Caleb Boone when he's not performing very well? I understand that he's a fifth-year senior, but if he's sucking, you got to take him out of the game. Put in Brooklyn Hicks. Give him a chance. He's shown to be a dynamic offensive player, but no. Let's run the same dumb post up every single time. Now, look, I'm sure Kevin Kruger could come on this podcast and several other people come on this podcast and tear into my analysis of him. However, I'm doing this for free. I'm doing this because I love the Rebels. I'm not the fourth highest paid player, person in the state of Nevada by the, by the Nevada government. So at the end of the day, I am allowed to criticize Kevin Kruger and still be a diehard UNLV basketball and football fan. It's okay to criticize a coach. It's okay to criticize a person who knows more than you about something. And Kevin Kruger's inability to win in the Mountain West in his tenure as the UNLV head basketball coach has been troubling. Kevin Kruger is 10 and 13 at home in the Mountain West Conference. 10 and 13. He has a losing record at home. And as the coach, the buck stops with him. I know that's unfair, but I think that's... If anybody's going to have unfair criticism laid, you know, levied towards them, it's going to be the head coach of the team. So really pathetic performance by him. Um, 
we will see if he keeps his job at the end of this year. I have a feeling that our athletic director, Eric Harper, will deeply consider firing him. You know, he fired Marcus Arroyo, and Marcus Arroyo showed that he was nothing more than a mediocre coach. He might fire Kevin Kruger. If he decides to bring him back, then, you know, then we'll see what happens next year. But I just want to emphasize that you can still love the Rebels. You can still love this program. You can still love this city and be critical of the coach. And it's okay that we have, you know, different opinions about, you know, how we evaluate Kevin Kruger as a head coach. It's okay that some people think he's a good head coach. It's okay. It's okay to disagree. But don't dismiss people as bad fans or non-loyal fans if they come out and criticize the head coach of the team that they love. In fact, apathy is the death of fandom. When you have a fandom that does not care whether their team wins or loses, that is when you end up destroying whatever credibility a basketball team or basketball program has when you have fans that don't care. I heard I was not actually able to be at the game. I was out of town. It was the, one of the first home game I've missed in a long time. But I heard that the student section was sitting on their phones, not cheering. And while there was a good turnout, these kids didn't know how to create a good app, college basketball atmosphere. And that's apathy. Our students don't care whether our team wins or loses. They show up for the free stuff that Eric Harper offers them, but our team doesn't care. And every time you get a chance to win a good home game against a good team and establish the Thomas and Mac as a good and hard place to come and play, Kevin Kruger has failed at doing that. Games like this against Reno on their own may not seem like a big deal, but when you have a chance to win and give people a good time to tell people, hey, come watch the Rebels, they'll win. It'll be a fun game. When you have a chance to establish that kind of culture and you fall flat on your face, it's disgusting and pathetic, and it's something that has happened throughout the entire tenure of Kevin Kruger. And really ever since, you know, the third year of Dave Rice. It's it's been it's been like twelve or thirteen years that it's been like this. And an apathetic student section, an apathetic fan base is the result. So look, the Rebels are seven and five in the Mountain West. They're not technically out of it. But this this is a game that you needed to win. You can't if the Rebels want to finish top five in the conference and they have to finish top five in order to you know to give themselves any chance of being competitive in the Mountain West tournament. If you think that the Rebels are going to finish, you know, as the eighth team in the conference and have a chance at winning games in the Mountain West Tournament, you are wrong. Forget the fact that the Rebels have had the Mountain West Conference Tournament on their home court for the last 20 years and have failed to win it more than one time. No team outside the top three in the conference has won the Mountain West Tournament over the last 20 years. You got to finish in the top three or top five. If you finish in the top five, you get a bye. You don't have to play four games in four days. You get to play three games in three days. And so UNLV's inability to take advantage of their home court has been a really disgusting feature of this program uh, over the last 12 or 13 years. And you may say, well, Coach Kruger needs another year. You know, he needs another, he, he needs more opportunities. You can't build the team in one year. Maybe you're right. But all I know is right now we have an ever-growing apathy in the fan base and lack of accountability coming from, you know, people in Vegas. We have people going to Golden Knight games and Raiders games and not coming to UNLV basketball games. And I want it to be better. And I know most of you do too. If you're listening this far into the podcast, haven't turned it off already, I know that you want it to be better too. 
So the Rebels have Air Force on Wednesday. Um, it's a must win. They lose it. They're pathetic. Kruger should be fired if they lose that game. Uh, it's a chance for revenge. Um, you're going to see what this team's made of. Are, are they good enough to go on a run for the rest of the year? Maybe. We'll see. If they play at Air Force, then they play Colorado State at home. They better win both of them. You better beat Colorado State. You better beat Air Force. You better beat Wyoming on the road. Or else you're just going to be in trouble. I said going into the Reno game that we were going to lose, but I I guess I underestimated us until the last five minutes. Uh, and I was very sad to be correct. There's still a few games to be played. The season's not over, um, even though that loss feels kind of like a, a death nail. Um, and yeah, it's just a year of what ifs. It's a year of could have been. It's a year of missed opportunities. And it's really sad. But ultimately, you know, the year's not over till it's over. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how the team responds to this. Hopefully they go and kick Air Force's butt in Fort Collins. Not Fort Collins. Air Force plays in Colorado Springs. Sorry. Um, And I guess we'll see what they're made of. The Rebels got to win. And then they got to beat Colorado State at home next week. And then at the end of the season, when they go up to play Reno, they got to win in Reno. They got to split with them. By doing that, by winning at home, and by, you know, beating Colorado State, beating Air Force, beating Wyoming, beating Reno on the road, the Rebels can give themselves a top five seed. And if Kevin Kruger wants any chance of saving his job, I think that's what he needs to do. He needs to finish top five in the conference. Not that big of an ask, Kevin. You're competing with people in Logan. You're competing with people in Boise. You're competing with people in Albuquerque. You got the best market out of any of those. Not a big ask to try and finish top five once in your coaching career. I guess he did technically his first year, but... All right, I'm rambling, guys. Um, I want to thank you for checking out the pod tonight, and let's get out of here. So I hope you've had a wonderful weekend. I apologize that this podcast took a little bit to get up. I was driving home from Utah with my wife, and um, yeah, but thanks for checking out the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful week ahead of you. I'm spending lots of time with the people you love. Uh, Thanks for listening, and let's run.